The Spectator magazine combines incisive political analysis with books and arts reviews of unrivaled authority. Subscribe today for just £12 and receive a 12-week subscription in print and online, plus a £20 Amazon gift voucher, absolutely free. Go to spectator.co.uk forward slash voucher. Welcome to Coffee House Shots and Spectator's daily politics podcast. Is Boris Johnson safe until the Sue Gray report? Overnight, there were reports of Red Wall MPs and members of the wider 2019 intake submitting letters, and there was feverish speculation that they could actually hit the 54 letters. However, since then, we've had a few dramatic events in the House of Commons, uh, with one member of the Red Wall intake defecting to Labour. James, can you just talk us through what happened and how it, in a way, seems to be helping Boris Johnson? So... Shortly before PMQs, Christian Wakeford, um, Tory MP for Bury South, defected to the Labour Party. Now, he has been in talks with Labour for quite some time, but he was also the seventh Tory MP to call for Boris Johnson to go. And I think what happened then was Boris Johnson's allies rushed out and said, look, this is really serious. You know, look who benefits from this, Labour. They used it to cast doubt on the judgment of those people calling Boris Johnson to go. Look, look, you know, one of these people who's gone public has gone and joined the Labour Party. And political parties are tribal. And so while like a coup against the leader is one thing, defecting is quite another. And so that, I think, slowed the plotter's momentum. And I think it made people much more inclined to say... Let's wait for the Sue Gray report coming out as Boris Johnson lets slip at PMQs next week and act then. And I think it's pushed Tory MPs back towards a kind of, it's important that there's due process here. There's a report, let the report come out and then we'll take a judgment. Now, I think there are reasons to think that number 10 need this report to move the dial in favour of not having a confidence vote in Boris Johnson. I think it is unlikely to do that. I think it is likely to leave the debate roughly where it is, and that's probably not enough. I think that means that you're probably more likely than not still to get 54 letters. Christian Wakeford has definitely provided a kind of Tory rallying moment against him, essentially. I think you saw this in PMQs, actually, where the, the atmosphere was much more partisan than last week, in part because... The Tory benches who have been quiet last week about not really offering Boris Johnson much support, they started being accused by wanting to shout at Christian Wakeford and that kind of, you know, released the vocal cords. Now, I, I think that we'll, I'm sure we'll come on to PMQs in a second. I think there, there were two interesting things about that we should discuss. But I think for the moment, I think what Christian Wakeford has done is break the process momentum and make it more likely that Boris Johnson makes it to the Sue Gray report. Now, Isabel, you were in the chamber for PMQs. So talk us through the atmosphere and how Boris Johnson fared, because he also had a tricky intervention from David Davis. Yeah, so as James said, Christian Waitford had been in talks with Labour for, for quite some time uh, preparing for this defection. And so it meant that Keir Starmer had a lot of preparation uh, for this session. Boris Johnson had, I think, about eight minutes notice, in which time he decided that he was going to go into the chamber and, and do a high-energy PMQs. And as James says, that there is... Uh, I think it's it's quite difficult for people outside of politics and indeed people new to politics like the 2019 intake of Conservative MPs to quite understand what a defection means in terms of dynamics. I think a, a, 
a lot of people would assume that it would be sort of curtains for Boris Johnson. But but as James says, actually, it, it does change dynamics in a, in a very different way. And defectors really, in the long term, often struggle to have any friends at all, whether it's from their new party or from their old party, because no one ever really trusts them. And it is seen as as quite a thing to do, basically. And so the, the atmosphere was very dramatic. Obviously, an MP crossing the floor uh, creates that drama. But it was also very high energy. And that was not without its own risks. I think if you go into a session already really G'd up, like sort of, you know, police nestling to the Kaiser chiefs before they go into a riot situation, uh, you tend to be quite close to boiling point. And uh, Boris Johnson uh, did, I think, tip over a few times. So he was shouting at Keir Starmer in the middle of the exchanges, saying that he was irrelevant and wasting people's time, which I don't think was really his aim in defending himself in these exchanges when he'd been preparing for this anyway. And he also, I think, probably more effectively reminded Christian Wakeford that Bury South had been won in the 2019 election for the first time from Labour uh, by this Prime Minister, he said, and it would become Conservative again at the next election. So he didn't look as sort of cowed and chastened and tired as he did in his broadcast clip yesterday, which had created so much upset in the Conservative Party. Now, I've spoken to some Tory MPs since the session, and they were saying that that and the intervention by David Davis, which I'll come on to in a second may have resulted in people withdrawing their letters to Sir Graham Brady, calling for a vote of no confidence. David Davis uh, came at the end of the session. Sometimes Prime Minister's questions sort of peters out into a strange hodgepodge of questions about constituencies, but this ensured there was drama right at the end, where he stood up and he said that he expected uh, his leader to behave uh, with responsibility and integrity, uh, but that Boris Johnson hadn't shown that in this circumstance. And then he quoted Leo Amory speaking to Neville Chamberlain, which was, uh, in the name of God, go. And... uh, That was a very dramatic moment, obviously. But the thing about David Davis is not only was he instrumental in urging Boris Johnson to back Owen Paterson in his attempts to evade the standards regime, which started the Prime Minister's autumn of woes. He is also somebody who tends to sort of turn up a bit like a vulture whenever uh, a Prime Minister is in trouble. And uh, I think this has probably further undermined the plotter's cause. But as James says, it's only really... a for a matter of you know hours or days until the Sue Gray report comes out rather than a long-term thing. James, do you think the plotters have overplayed their hand? I think some of the briefing last night was kind of getting overly excitable. You know, Boris Johnson being placed at the Carlton Club when he wasn't there. Was that someone mistaking Nadine Dorries' hair for Boris Johnson's hair? Because it seems to have been... Because she was there, wasn't she? <laughs> yeah. And I thought, you know, this morning... I actually thought David Davis... He would have been better having seen the defection to realise that Tory MPs weren't in the mood for that. And actually, I think the, the, the more difficult question for Boris Johnson would have been, well, can Boris Johnson confirm that given that Sue Gray has no remit to rule on whether the ministerial code has been broken, that the Prime Minister will refer himself to Lord Guite once her report is published? I think that would be much more difficult for Boris Johnson to deal with. I also think, and this is, um, as someone who, who regularly says that Keir Starmer doesn't have enough swagger at PMQs, I think there was a danger here today that he had a little bit, he, he didn't concentrate on the specifics enough. Um, he had very good jokes, but when he asked Boris Johnson whether he'd been warned about the party uh, in advance, Boris Johnson said, you, you need to await for the Sue Gray inquiry. 
I thought Keir Starmer missed a trick there in that he could have pointed out to Boris Johnson that Boris Johnson was perfectly happy to answer that question on television yesterday and say he hadn't been. Why was he not prepared to answer it in the House of Commons chamber today? Isabel, Boris Johnson also gave us an indication of when the Sue Gray report um, could come out. Last week we were told it could be this Tuesday. Now it is next week. What do you think the mood is amongst MPs in terms of what the report could actually say? Do you think there is an appetite more to just delay things by a few days till the report comes out? Or do you think some MPs are starting to think, actually, maybe we want to keep Boris Johnson in place a bit longer to try and turn things around? What are you picking up? Yeah, there's still a real mixture of opinions uh, about whether now is the time to be removing a leader, whether it's better to wait until the May elections or until various contenders feel ready. There's a suggestion that Rishi Sunak doesn't feel quite ready yet to mount some kind of challenge for the leadership. Although it has to be said that generally in politics, people who who don't feel ready tend to miss out and it's about seizing the moment. I think one of the the interesting things about this leadership, about this looming leadership contest, sorry, I should say, is that there isn't a stop it from happening contingent in the way that there was with Theresa May, in that there were a lot of people who were not happy with her as Prime Minister, but were very worried that Boris Johnson could become Prime Minister and therefore wanted to keep her in place for at least a little bit longer until a different candidate turned up or until Boris Johnson in some way humiliated himself. This time, there's not a group saying, oh, I find you know Rishi Sunak abhorrent or I find Liz Truss unpalatable. There, there are obviously people who fall behind certain candidates, but there's no big contingent saying we've got to stop this toxic person. I think that's an interesting, different dynamic here. I think one of the dangers for Boris Johnson, if the letters go in, there is a vote. With Theresa May, the real question on the ballot paper for many Tory MPs' mind was, do you have more confidence in Theresa May than you do in Steve Baker and Jacob Rees-Mogg, or than you do in, say, Boris Johnson, who is likely to be the beneficiary of her departure? The problem for Boris Johnson this time round is, rather than this vote being a choice between two sets of people. It's basically a referendum on him. And I mean, that is more difficult. The other worry for him is that if you were the whips trying to save Theresa May in that vote, it was obvious where you needed to concentrate your resources. You needed to go for those people who didn't want a harder Brexit. And you need to basically say to them, you might not have any confidence in Theresa May, but you're going to like the alternative even less. The problem this time around is because the disquiet with Boris Johnson is spread across intakes, across the parliamentary party, you know, it's not clear who your call sheet is if you're trying to save Boris Johnson. I mean, that, that is one of the things that will will be a problem for them, is you know getting an accurate read on the numbers. I also think just a bit of special pleading, as, as, as we did the other night on the podcast, it's also one of the things that makes it more difficult for us journalistically to work out how close to 54 letters we are. Because you know, this, isn't being, this is not a centrally organised operation to try and get to 54. There are people acting as, as a group, but they, are, but they are different and disparate and they don't know what each other are doing. So there is no central, I mean, other than in... Graham Brady's uh, office safe. There is no central database telling people how many letters they are at. So I think that is one of the things that means that we are going to have more excitable nights uh, like last night when everyone thinks, oh, is it coming, is it coming, is it coming? I think now, though, it is probably safe 
to, to kind of slightly um, relax on the, the checking for emergency coffeehouse shots until the Grey Report is out. Though hopefully everyone will get an update to our only further podcast um, as subscribers to this podcast. Now, Isabel, away from parties, because there are some other topics in the world. Ultimately, Boris Johnson has also made an announcement today on COVID restrictions. Mm. And in another universe where perhaps there wasn't party gate, this would be a big cause of celebration amongst Tory MPs. Mm. But yet, it doesn't really feel like that when he announced it. No, although I suspect that the reason he... And I know that saying this makes me sound like a conspiracy theorist who talks about sheeple, but the, the, the timing of this was still political rather than policy-based, and that he was hoping that in announcing the at the end of these restrictions that were brought in to tackle Omicron, uh, that he'd get some political credit with Conservative MPs. So today he announced an end to compulsory mask wearing in public places, the guidance to work from home and uh, vaccine certification. And he he was also very, very keen to talk about all the government's great wins in terms of tackling COVID. So the the vaccination programme, the country opening up quicker than many European countries as well. And as he always does, uh, talk about those who had wanted to shut down our country all over again. Later ended up talking again about Captain Hindsight and Sir Keir Starmer, which, I mean, it it almost felt as though he sort of recorded a voice memo on his phone and just presses play now to to get those lines out. But I thought one thing was interesting, if we're just looking at this in purely political terms, which I think Boris Johnson was, so I think we're we're okay doing that, that the benches behind Boris Johnson remained pretty full for his statement. Often after PMQs, the chamber really empties out. In fact, the Speaker told Boris Johnson to sit down and wait for people to leave after the session. But very few people went from the Tory benches until he'd finished speaking, whereas the Labour benches, people buzzed off to go and have lunch and you know get on with their days doing other things. And so I think, as we've discussed our EPMQs, uh, the dynamics had changed enough for Conservative MPs to think, OK, yeah, the whips have asked me to stay in to support the Prime Minister, so I will, I won't move. You know, I suppose it's people listening might think, well, big deal, they stayed in for another five minutes, well done then. But I think in, uh, in this sort of hour-by-hour, minute-by-minute turmoil that Boris Johnson's facing, that probably is a small win he can chalk up, very small. Thank you, Isabel, thank you, James, and thank you for listening. <laughs>